Well, good morning. Welcome to the Christian Church of Estes Park. We're disciples of Jesus that build disciples of Jesus. My name is Aaron Lee Pastor. We are, uh, get to start today our series called Centered, and we talk about worship. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. We do this. Uh, we, we've actually set this entire year aside to talk about worship. See, worship is whatever our life revolves around. That's, that's what worship is. It means whatever our life revolves around. Right, so uh, some people like your life revolves around your kids or your job or or your finances or whatever it is that is. That's what you worship. And see, in, in the Word of God, uh, it, Jesus said, "His God's worshipers must worship Him in spirit and in truth." That we don't want to just say that we worship Christ. We actually want our lives to revolve around Christ. Right? We we, we want to be those that that actually live the worship and the belief that we claim to hold. And so in Scripture, God gives us three very practical areas in our lives, things that we can make sure that they're, they're tests, that we can worship Him with. And there are parts of uh, very practical things in our life. The first one is our treasure, right? That He talks about a tithe, and He talks about how we you make sure that it's not just uh, God gets 10%, it's that God owns me. God owns everything. That's why uh, we started in February. We talked about how do we worship God with our things, right? How do we uh, start with that? And our memory verse that we did for this as the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to Him. That's not God doesn't just own part of my stuff. God owns me and this entire world, right? And I want to be a faithful steward of God's stuff. I want to invest His things and His priorities for His glory, right? And when I do that, there's blessings and things that happen. So we, we as a church, we came together. We did our tithe challenge, and so many came together, and we got to begin worshiping God, centering our budgets around Him and. It's been amazing how we continue to hear stories of how God is working in that to draw our congregation, our church family, closer to the heart of Christ, and that's powerful, worshiping God with, with that, a very practical way. And then uh, in April, we talked about how we worship God with our second area that God tells us He wants us to center our life around Him, and that's with our talents. That's with our gifts and our abilities. And He said that every one of us is a minister. Every one of us, God has given gifts and abilities so that we can invest it in serving Him and other people. And we certainly get to use those gifts and abilities for other things like work and, ta- and, and our uh, uh, things that we enjoy doing for fun. But those gifts and abilities are, are gifts from God. That's why we can call them gifts, that He blesses us with those. And He says, I gave those to you. I want you to invest those in me, right? And so that's what the whole Say Yes ministry is all about. It's about taking all these gifts and abilities and actually putting them into effect, serving God uh, through my abilities and my talents. And so uh, it, that was awesome to see how many in the church family we, we've come together and, and started serving, actually practically serving, uh, and with purpose of growing closer to Christ, using our gifts, investing them in Him and His kingdom. And, uh, and it's been awesome to see. And that continues. And of course, today we're having another Say Yes ministry. So if you're ready to get started serving, it's, uh, we will help you do that and show you what, uh, what does it mean to serve. So you're not just doing something, but you're actually investing your talents in God. You're worshiping Him. Well, today, we start the, the third final area that Scripture tells us that we get to worship God, not just with our, our treasure, not just our stuff, not just with our abilities, our talents, but also with our time. And the reason we're doing this one last is because in America, this is the most difficult area to ask somebody to give up. Now, we live in time poverty. We have a lot of material wealth in our country, but we have time poverty in this country. Probably unlike we've seen any other time in history, uh, Americans, we have this strange belief that uh, the busier I am, the more important I am. That is crazy, right? That's like saying the more bills I have, right, the, the better I am with money. 
That's silly. The question isn't, do you have things to fill your day? It's, are you filling your day with the right things? But even before that, the Word of God, Scripture, it tells us that God wants us to center even our time around Him, even from the very beginning of creation. Didn't God set a day apart? He said, hey, here's a day. I want you to keep it holy. I want you to set this day apart. Just like He tells us to set our tithe apart, just like He tells us to set our ministry apart. Because I want you to keep a day. I want you to center. I want you to worship me. I want you to center your life. Your calendar revolves around me. He, had to, he started with things that we get to worship him with, all kinds of things like our uh, uh, special holidays and things like this in Scripture. Our entire calendar, he set up to say, listen, I want you to make sure that I'm the center of all things. And so we're going to talk of this series about how do we worship God with our time. You know, most people in this world, they're a slave to time just like a lot of people in this world are a slave to money, right? They, their time dictates what they do, right? The, all of the tasks and all of the things, their tasks become their master. How many folks in our culture are running themselves to death, being busy but not living? They get to the end of the day exhausted and tired, and they, and they don't have no energy, nothing left for the things that matter, nothing that, 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 uh, that brings life to their very core. They are poured out empty, exhausted. We're working ourselves to death. And for what? You know that we are God's children. Right? As we talked about that entire series before this, our identity is in Christ. We're His. There's, there's a dark way of living out there, the rest of the world. The rest of the world is running themselves ragged. The rest of the world is a slave to money. The rest of the world is a slave to tasks. But we are the children of a king. And there's a different way that God invites us to live. When we center our lives on him, just like it was when we, we started tithing, wasn't it amazing all those stories, all of a sudden how uh, God started blessing our budgets, our abilities, that, that he made space where there wasn't before? It is the same way when we begin to center our time around him. We stop living under this time poverty. And we start living the true, full lives that God has called His children to live as blessing to it. So that's what this series is about. And today we're going to talk about really how do we do that? What is time management? How does it begin? Why is it in Scripture? Why are we supposed to do that? How do we apply that? And then next week we're going to talk about how do we have a daily time with God? I call it a quiet time, and next week you'll find out why I call it that. But how do you do that? What does it look like? How do we begin adding those things? Week after that, we're going to talk about worship, this corporate worship that we come together once a week as God's family, right, to, to center around Him. Why do we do that? And what, what do we do when we're doing? So that way there's purpose. You'll see the purpose of, of what we do when we're here. And the week after that, we're going to talk about taking a day off. And I know for a lot of us, that seems crazy. It's like when I first started talking about tithing. You're like, what? That is insane, right? That's for like super holy people. But no, God really wants us to take a day off, and we'll talk about how you can do it and why and the power of it. This is an amazing thing. You're going to, through this series, be encouraged, be set free of the bonds that have just kept us serving pointless living. And to be set free for real living. That's what it's about, to center our life on Christ. Now, I see that my slides are all at the very end of my service. So you're going to get to see all of the notes. And then, oh, Zach's going to point us right to the very beginning. And then I will get to our next thing, which is our memory verse for... Uh, for this series. And our memory verse for the series comes to us from Ephesians chapter 5. And if you remember that when we were in Ephesians 5, we've been in there, that was a book that Paul wrote 
to, uh, to the church at Ephesus, which turned out to be a very important church. Later on, uh, the, the ch- early church, it was a very important church. And he writes this letter to them explaining really what does it mean to be the people of God in a very difficult culture, right, as they begin to grow and influence and empower and purpose, right? And so we get to the near the end of that letter that Paul wrote to them, and that's Ephesians chapter 5, and Paul writes to them this wonderful piece of wisdom. And he says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And that's really going to be our memory verse for this series. Sets our heart that theological foundation. We want to live as wise, as his children. And so I invite you, what we're going to do is we're going to say this a few times, and pretty soon it's going to start to stick in your mind, and then you'll have those hooks. So that way through the rest of the week, you'll have something to meditate on. Think about God's word. Here we go. Just say it along with me. Here we go. Three, two, one. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.15. Wasn't that fun? Yes, it was. Let's do it again. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.15. Again, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.15. Let's test ourselves. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Ephesians 5.15. You ever feel like the days are evil? You ever look at, like, you think about the, the next day, you're like, oh. Right? Sometimes, like, the day is like this giant monster. Like, time is just out to get you. Here's the thing, we're going to tame time. That's what we're going to do. So I encourage you to take your Bibles out right now and join me in Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to see this verse in context. We're going to go there, and then later on we're going to go to a a psalm later on after that. But Ephesians 5, let's look at the context that we have from this. We're going to look at these two passages, Ephesians 5, and then we'll get into some psalms. And uh, and we'll look at what God has for us as far as learning about time management. And uh, Ephesians uh, 5, we'll start in verse 8. This is important because this is kind of the beginning of what we call in Bible study a pericope. It's the beginning of an idea. It's not really a paragraph, but it's kind of like that. When, when Paul switches gears and now he's talking about a new subject, a new topic, that starts in, in verse 8, and that's really where our memory verse comes from. And it starts with this. It says, For you were once darkness, not in darkness, and then you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. How powerful is that? Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated illuminated becomes light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine in you. Be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. A powerful passage. You see how it begins? Uh, Before Paul tells us, listen, you should make the most of every opportunity. The time is opportunity. 
Right? Make the most of it. How we live, how we, we manage our lives, how we manage our time is, is a difference between wisdom and foolishness. He starts with this. He says, the reason we want to do this is because our time belongs to Christ. We belong to Christ. But look at that. It starts there. He says, you were once darkness. I, I think people, we, we oftentimes want to give ourselves benefit of the doubt and say, I used to live in darkness. Right? I was a good person, but I was in darkness, and that's why Jesus needed to come and save this really good person. Uh-uh. While I was still a sinner, while I was still Christ, an enemy of God, Jesus came and saved me. While I was once a blasphemer and a rebel against the almighty kingdom of heaven, God came to me. I was a traitor, and he came and he saved me. I was darkness. And everything I touched became darkness. I was selfish and self-centered. I lived for me and only for me. My highest aim was the kingdom of Aaron, and that kingdom had to go. I was once darkness. Who I was is not who I am. And I think there's a memory verse that maybe some of us know from our last series. For I was crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. In the life I now live, in the body I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Identity comes first. The reason that I live different than the rest of the world is because I am different from the rest of the world. I was once darkness, but now I am light in the Lord. I am light. My brothers and sisters, you are the light of Christ. We are not to live dark lives like the rest of the world, running after pointless dead things. We live different. We manage our time different because we are different. We have a better and higher calling. That's the first reason we manage our time. Because it's not ours anymore. It used to be my time. But I died to me. And I am alive in Christ. And now it is His, my life. Everything that is in me is His. And He has redeemed it in such a profound way that before everything that I lived for was going to lead to death and destruction, and now I get to live for things that actually make eternal difference. So we manage our time. We live as wise because it's not just my life. It's because we belong to God. But we also want to live as wise. We want to manage our time well. Look at the next one, verse 13 through 14. He tells us, he says, because we're going to give an account. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that's illuminated become um, everything illuminated becomes a light. That's why it says, "Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you." And it's interesting. Right before that, he talks about how we manage our time, the tasks that we do. Right, he, right before that, he says, "Listen, we want to to do good things." Verse nine: For the fruit of light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. That's how you spend your time. Those are the things you do. And if you do something, guess what? It costs. Time. No one has ever done anything outside of time. Have you ever noticed that? When someone says, ah, I didn't take any time, they're lying. If you do anything, even a blink takes time. Do you want to have fruits of light that consist of all righteousness and goodness and truth? You're doing acts of righteousness, goodness, and truth. This is how you live. You're making the most of the opportunities. There's another way that we can live, a way that we used to live. It says that uh, nothing to do with these fruitless deeds, actions that take time. It's how we live, how we invest our lives, right? Shameful things, that, that the way we used to live. It says we're not supposed to live those ways anymore. 
The reason that it says that we, we manage our time isn't just because our time belongs to God, but also because we're going to give an account. Everything's going to be exposed. There is a day that we, each one of us is going to stand face to face before our Creator, and we will give an account for the life He's given us. Every one of us. And the Scripture is very clear in that it says we're going to have to give an account for even every idle word. It's going to be a really long exit interview for me, because I have a lot of words. I want to make sure that I give an account, I have a good account. It's not my time, it's God's time. And he's going to say, I gave you so much time, what did you do with it? Did you live as wise or did you squander it? Jesus told a great parable, he told a parable of the talents, right? Where he gives one guy one, one sum of money and another guy five times that and somebody else ten times that amount of money. And then he says, I want you to invest this, I'm going to come back. And he comes back and, and the first guy had ten, you know, he doubled that and all of a sudden he's got you know, 20 talents, he's got a lot of money. And the other one had five, doubled it, right? And the master's like, well done. You invested it. You did right. And the third one only had one. was like, I was afraid. I didn't have enough. So I buried it. And he got in big trouble. Basically got fired. You know, God says when he gives us a resource, he expects us to do something with it, something valuable, to invest it, not to bury it. But when we have a poverty mindset, like the person with the one talent, oftentimes it's exactly what we do. And that's why as Americans, we have to be very clear in this word here that recognize that God has given us time. He's given all of us time, and we're going to have to give an account for it. And you may feel that he's given you poverty of time, but he hasn't. He's given you the same 24 hours he's given everybody else. We're going to have to stand before him someday and say, this is how I invested the time you've given me. This is how I invested the life you gave me. And so that's a good reason, isn't it, to start living as wise, like it's going to matter? Because it will. Third thing I think is we want to invest our time well. Verse 15 and 16, you memorize this. Right? It says, be very careful then, right? We're going to have to be cautious on this, be thoughtful how we do this, making the most of every opportunity, right? Why? Because we don't want to live as unwise. We want to live as wise. It's wise to invest our time well. It shows that our priorities are in the right space. It shows that we live a better life. It leads to better things. Wise living leads to good things. Isn't that true? Unwise living leads to misery. That's why it's not wise. So to managing our time, being thoughtful, being careful, actually leads to good things. It's, it's wise. Now, that's some powerful stuff. Now, I want to turn now to uh, Psalm 90. And so what I want you to do before you turn there, in the seat in front of you, there should be a bookmark. You take that bookmark, I put it there in Ephesians 5, and then you can join me in, in uh, Psalm 90. Because we're going to come back just briefly to, uh, to that Ephesians 5 later on. Now, why did I pick Psalm 90? Well, psalms are books of lyrics. That's right, what it is. The psalms are, are song lyrics. And so like psalm lyrics, they tell us a lot of really great truths, oftentimes with a lot of really good poetic language that is very emotively true, right? That's what songs do, right? That's, we want to see these incredible truths, and so the, the psalms teach us that. Now, the psalms is actually a collection of a bunch of different songs that are put together into five different books. And those five books kind of remind us of the five books of Moses, which is interesting. You, you have the five books of history, and then you have the five books of worship, right? But those psalms are also divided up into three major categories uh, that uh, talk about three different movements of, of God throughout history. The first two, kind of the books of psalms, talk about the kingdom of God. So you have a lot of David's uh, writings are in there, like the United Kingdom. And then the third book talks about the time where they were in the captivity, so those are really depressing songs, talking about when life's going miserable. So if you want to 
if you're going through a really difficult time and you feel separated from God, then usually that center psalms, the ones kind of in the middle, are the ones that, that probably will, will meet you where you're at. And then the last two books of psalms, the last two sections of the book of psalms, are going to be uh, talking about the, uh, the restoration when the, when the people will return back to the kingdom, right? So those are really joyful. It's the kept promise. It's a really amazing thing. So the book of Psalms read together, when we read it all, it, you hear the story of God's kingdom through praise. It's amazing. But individually, each one of these Psalms tells us something about what it means to be a follower of God, a worshiper of God. These are, this is a worship book, which is why I thought it would be helpful to go here when we're talking about worshiping God. And Psalm 90 is a psalm from Moses that's all about time. It's a worship song that Moses wrote about time. So I thought, hey, that's fitting. So that's where we're at. So let me read it for you. Psalm 90. It says this, Lord, you've been our dwelling place through all generations. Before the mountains were born or, or brought forth for the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death, and they are like the new grass in the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by the evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and are terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come out to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, but yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years as we have seen trouble, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendors to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. That's a powerful book. I'm putting it in perspective. You know, as we go through this psalm, there is a movement there that, that, that I think Moses wants us to enter into this truth that he shows. And the first one is that God is timeless. That God is the author of time. We can't even picture an existence outside of time, right? Because our lives are written on the pages of time just like a book is written on the pages of, of, a, you know, of a book, right? We can't imagine uh, what would our lives be without time? But God is not like that. God is outside of time. He created it. In fact, in Genesis 1, it says, in the beginning, God, He was already there before time existed, and He will be there after time ends. He is timeless. All time belongs to Him. He creates it just like He creates things. Just like He created the world out of nothing, He created time out of no time, and blows our minds because God is bigger than our minds. Aren't you grateful for that? But it starts with this, that God is the one. He is not subject to time. He made it. And because He made it, He's got a purpose for it, doesn't He? He created the world, and he, we gave an account for how we spend the world, right? It's His. And He can make anything He wants. And one of the things He made was time. And in the beginning, He called it good. Time is from Him. It's His creation. And therefore, He gives it to those He wills. And if you exist today, He wills for you to have some of His time. That's 
where Moses begins. It's appointed that he is God and creator, and we're not. It's all his. And so God has all the time he needs to accomplish everything he wants. And he also has the ability to divvy it out to whoever he wants. And that's what we see in verses 5 through 11, isn't it? It says he sweeps people away like a person's life compared to God who is timeless. Our lives are timed. We're like grass. As soon as a blade of grass is planted, its clock's already begun. Right? It's going to go through a series. It's going to, it's going to sprout. It's going to root. It's going to grow up. It's going to uh, have uh, uh, other seeds grow. They're going to drop. It's going to die. Right? It, there's a cycle to it. It's, it's already written. Once it begins, it already has its end. And it's so like for people. You know, in my office, I have the history of the world. Uh, it's up above. It was a gift. Like somebody was really fantastic. They gave it to me. I have it there because it gives me perspective. I get to see all of the different ages and all the things that happen in the world. And I think about when I sit in my office, the billions of lives, the people who have lived and the triumphs and the sorrows and all those things that we'll never know because they weren't written in the history books, but they were very real, right? And the troubles and the things that's so big in their life. And to me, I don't even know about. It puts me in perspective. Right? Because I'm really important to me. Right? I mean, like, but when I look at that, I'm a speck. I, I take up like a sliver, like less than a centimeter. Right? I'm a tiny little space on there. And without God, just like what, what we see here, like the first half of this psalm, Moses is talking about without God, our lives are meaningless. You're going to go through big things and massive things, and you're going to have big excitement and great joys and horrible heartache and all that, but if it wasn't for God, all of it would be worthless, wouldn't it? Forgotten, no one would even know. I mean, we are still discovering ruins of civilizations where hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people lived, and we don't even know about them anymore. Without God, what Moses is showing here is that life is worthless, and the time that we have would be fruitless. But with God, there's a change. And that's what we have to begin to. If I'm going to invest my time in just to me, whatever I want to do, I'm going to invest it in pointless things. Sandcastles. It'll be washed away with the next tide. But luckily, the psalm doesn't end there. Isn't that good? God's timeless. He's given us a period of time. And then he goes on and he says, you know what? That faithful time management leads to blessing. That when I start living for God, He has the difference, He has the ability to make my time, this speck, this centimeter on, this, on the grand center, to make an eternal difference, to matter. That's what He says. Look what He says there. He says, Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servant. If it wasn't for God's grace, our lives would be pointless, but God's grace. He has had compassion on us. He has relented. The curse of work, the curse of life, the curse of pointlessness, the curse of death, undone! Undone. And Moses was looking at a far off. He was just out of faith and hope, saying, There will be a, there'll be a redeemer coming. Someday it will redeem my life. My time will be redeemed. He was looking in the future just out of hope, out of a promise of God. We get to look back and say, It's kept. What a joy. What a joy. And so it says, Make us glad for as many days as you've afflicted us. Our future is better than our past. You know, if you're in Christ right now, it's as close to hell as you're ever going to get. Right? which is pretty fantastic. You say, Aaron's sermon is as close to hell as I will ever get. <laughs> Isn't that a joy? Right? Our past is broken, but is redeemed, and our future is bright. You were darkness, but now you are light. 
right? We don't just live like the rest of the world for the darkness, for the temporary, for, for the pointless. And that's why he finishes this. He says, may the favor of the Lord our God rest on us, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Your life matters only if you allow God to make it matter. If you're outside of Christ, you, the word of God, it tells us like any one of us, we are like chaff. Like grass, we grow up, we die, we're burned up. It's it. doesn't matter. But if you're his child, you were darkness and now you're a light. You're redeemed and he's going to do something in you and through you. He's at work even throughout all of the ages, right? Putting together all of those things, building for the glory of his kingdom and for your good. He will establish the work of your hands. You will live for purpose, not just for today, but for eternal things. That's a blessing. That's powerful stuff. It begins when we give God his time. God is the creator. We are his children. It is his. So just like it was with our finances, right? Just like it was with our talents. Can we invest God's resource into his priorities and let him do the redemptive work? Let him do the establishing? Because that's exactly what he's going to do. All right. A couple things I got from these two passages. The first thing I want you to know about time is this is a valuable resource. I think we all agree. That's why as a pastor, the hardest thing I have is to, you know, there's the biggest barrier that I have to helping people take steps of faithfulness in Christ. The biggest one, bar none, is this. It's going to cost them time. I would do this ministry, but I don't have the time to do it. I would meet with God every day, but I don't have the time to do that. I would live for important things, but I just, I, I'm, I'm too busy. You live with time poverty, but that is a lie from the enemy. Our God, who is the author of time, will give you time, but it is a valuable resource. You can't make time. People say, well, I'll, I'll make time. You can't do that. I'm sorry, you're not God. But you can find time. Right? He's given you some, and we all have the same amount. God was very, very uh, uh, equal on this. Right? Every human gets 24 hours. Right? From the most productive a high-powered person to the most lazy, worthless, uh, you know, use-of-life kind of person. Both get 24 hours in a day. All of us. He's given it to you, but it's not yours. You'll return it back to him. We have a finite supply, and that supply is not ours to determine what we get is from God. In fact, Job, when he was going through a very difficult time in his life, he says this, in his prayer to God, he says, A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. What wisdom. Sometimes uh, pain becomes a very good focuser for us, doesn't it? And Job knew that he was suffering that day, but that day was decreed by God that he was going to make it through. It wasn't forever. Right? That, that God set up Job's life, and he said, You know what? You've given me the time that you've given me. You've already determined it. And which is true, because God knows the end before the beginning. He knows how long you're going to be here. He's given you purpose for every one of your days. So if you're here today, you have purpose. And not your purpose, you have God's purpose. Something you put on it. And he says, you can't add an next single day. You can't exceed it. You can't buy off God. Say, God, I'm going to have just a few extra days. God has determined what your life is going to be. You don't get to know and you don't get to tell him. But every one of your days, it's a finite amount. And every single moment, you are, you are investing that money, so that, that time somewhere, aren't you? You're investing it. You're spending it. And so it's a, it's a very valuable resource because it is non-renewable. That's important for us to begin with. God made it. And so I would say each day is not just a gift. A gift is something that God just gives to you and says, just do whatever. 
I would say it's a resource, it's a responsibility. Time is God's. And he says, I, you belong to me, and I'm going to see what you did with this. So what are you doing with the time God's given you? It's valuable. Second thing that we find out here, the time needs to be managed. It's just like money, right? It's just like money, which is why we started with treasure, because it's something that we, you know, back in February, same concept. If you can budget money, you can budget time. It's very, very similar things, right? They both belong to God, and they're both blessings from Him, but also they have to be managed. You ever notice, like, if you don't budget something, your money, that it just disappears? It goes somewhere? That's why it's called currency. It just leaves. Same with your time. You will waste days and months and years if you do not manage it. It's going to go somewhere. No one winds up at the end of the day. It's like, well, I've got 12 hours left. <laughs> right? It went somewhere. If you didn't tell it where to go, it went. You have to learn how to manage it, which is why in Psalm 90, right, we see there, it says, Moses says, teach us to number our days. Teach us. It's a skill. And numbering, that's accounting language, isn't it? So we're going to give an account for this. We have to budget our time. We have to make sure that we know where it goes, and we get to know, we have to direct it. So many of us are a slave to our schedule. I would do this, but I've got all these things that I've got on my schedule I've got to do. No, no, you get to master your schedule. Just like God says he doesn't want your money to be your master, he doesn't want your schedule to be your master. He's your master. So we have to learn how to do it. Some people are naturally just better at budgeting their time. That's great. It's going to be easier for you. You can help the rest of us. But all of us have responsibility, don't we? We have to learn how to do it. So if you think that just you have all of a sudden, you're wiser than Moses and you just know how to manage your time, how to number your days, then maybe some humility. Maybe there are skills and gifts that you can become better in in how you manage your time. How do you budget it so that way you're living for God's things so you can live as wise, not as unwise? And know that we're going to all give account for how we spent our life. Look at uh, that verses uh, 15, 16, Ephesians 5, which you memorized. Make the most of every opportunity, it says. Isn't that what it says there? Make the most. That's you. Right? God's going to establish the work of your hands, Psalm 90. He's going to establish it, but you have the opportunity and the obligation and the responsibility to make the most of the opportunity that God gave to you. Make the most of it. Because you've got to set purpose to the days that you have and the hours that you have. Give them purpose. Because God's going to ask to account for it. Next thing we find here is that time management is a good thing for us. Just like money managed, just like when we talked about how making a budget was a form of worship that led to worship. Well, time management leads to good things too. It leads to blessing. How many folks? It was amazing. We had so many of our church families start, took the, the tithe challenge. And if you haven't done though, I encourage you to do it. We'll give you all the resources. We'll help you with it. It is amazing what God has done. Uh, working through, set, worshiping God with our things, right? But in those, how many stories was it? It was just overwhelming. number of stories of saying, you know what? We could barely make our bills as was, right? We were living under money poverty. Then we made God's priorities our priorities, and so we had to make a budget so we could do that. And started living that way. All of a sudden, they find that they had richer living. They weren't living under like this, this financial pressure. It, it freed people. Our people amongst you. It's crazy, but not so crazy. God blesses us when we live wise lives. And it's the same thing with our time management. If you feel like you have time poverty, it's because you're mismanaging the time God's given you. He did not call his children into poverty. He's given you everything you need to live every day to its fullest, to make the most of every opportunity. He's done his part. 
And when we manage our time better, it's amazing how folks will come back. And this was true for me, for sure. When I started managing my time, all of a sudden I started living with less anxiety. I had more time to do things, even though I started putting very important big chunks of time in there, like an entire day out of the week, which is a big expenditure of time, right? Just to rest, because God wants me to. That was hard. And I was like, how on earth am I going to do that? But I started honoring God with my time, and all of a sudden, I started living with more peace. Time peace becomes with that. So I tell you, there's a blessing to it. Verse 90, or uh, sorry, Psalm 90, verse 12 tells us why that it leads to blessing. It's because it's wise. Right? He says, teach us to number our days, right? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wise people live better lives. You gain a heart for wisdom. You're going to want the right things. You're going to ask the right questions. When you start realizing that time isn't yours and that God's given you opportunities, even now, and you start living those opportunities, investing in what God wants you to invest them in. But not just that, it helps you become more productive. That the time that you have becomes actually more useful. Turn back to uh, Ephesians 5. Look at there, verse uh, 16. All right, which will look very familiar to you because I've said it multiple times, already spent time through this, that you're going to make the most of every opportunity to live unwise, but as wise. Right? I think that we find this is that because there's this problem there, the days are evil. The days are going to chew up your time and they're going to waste it for you unless you invest it right. And we have opportunity today, the days are darkness. And we get to bring the light of Christ in the midst of these days. So you want to be productive? Start counting your days. Start living as a wise person, thinking of each moment as an opportunity from God. It also helps us to become more faithful. Right? In, in this, we find that if you want to be a more faithful believer, a follower of Christ, it says, uh, don't be foolish. Right? Determine what the Lord's will is. Right? You want to know what God's will is for your life? And I think a lot of us do. It starts when we begin by saying, I belong to God. So as long as you think you belong to you, you're not going to ever know God's will for you. His first will for you is to die to yourself so you can come alive in Him. His first will is that you can begin living the life that he has for you, a much better life than you ever could on your own. But if you begin to manage your time, right, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, this is therefore don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There's a reason in context that understanding what the Lord's will is starts with when we begin by saying it's God's time and I'm going to start living like it. I'm going to start living wise. I'm going to have that heart of wisdom. It helps us become faithful. It helps us become more productive. But it also helps us become successful. Psalm 90 again that last part, that it establishes the work of our hands. God will make your life matter. We just be faithful, right? We do our part. We're faithful with what He gives us. He's the one that establishes it. He's the one that can help us to live for things that are more than just today. And only He can do that. But why would He do that if we're not investing our lives in the way that He asked us to? Right? Just like with our finances, we say, well, why would God bless the rest of your funds if you mismanage the first 10%? Why will God bless the rest of your life, the rest of your time, if you mismanage the first portion? But if you are faithful with the first, won't He be helpful and bless every part of it because you're faithful with all of your time? God blesses the work of our hands when we invest when we invest them in His priorities faithfully. So I know the time management seems like a, a nerdy topic. I get it. Because I started, I hated, I like spontaneity. I hate having things tell me what to do. In fact, I hated budgets and I hated time. 
but I was in the Word of God, it showed me that these are both skills and responsibilities that I get to worship God with certain things, and it's not just going to happen. I have the choice to be able to, to worship Him or not. And so, I want to help you, before we, we go to the rest of the things, I want to talk about how do we manage our time. Oh, eye on that. The last one is time management leads to worship. That's the fourth thing. Why? Because we're investing everything in Him. We recognize that if I invest what God wants me to every day, if I think about how I'm going to do it, it leads me to worship. It helps me center my life on Him. So worship is when our life becomes centered. You want to feel a little less uh, harried, a little less torn apart, a little less like your life is spinning out of control? You want a centered life? Center on Christ. He's the only one that has a gravitational pull to hold your life together. And it begins, like, if you start saying, I'm going to uh, number my days. I'm going to make the most of every opportunity. I'm going to know what God's will is. I'm going to apply it to my life purposefully. It would be amazing how your life now starts to make purpose and, and how God becomes the center of your life, how your life begins to revolve around Him, not the other things, which really, if we look honestly, are probably aren't doing a great job holding you together. Okay, so how do we budget our time? First thing we want to do is this, is you have to know your, your time is going. It's just like budgeting money. Right? The first time you do a budget, you've got to look at where's my money going, because you have money, and then it disappears. And you're like, where did it go? But it didn't disappear. It went somewhere. You've got to figure out where it went. That's what we have to do with our time. Every one of us spends 24 hours every single day. And if you feel like you don't have enough time, it's going somewhere. So figure out where it's going. Right? So we have to start there. So here's some things you can do. You can take out your, your, your phone or whatever, on your calendar that you have there, or whatever, or your book. Figure out what this last week, where did your time go? Account for 24 hours this last week, even sleep, because sleep matters, right? Sleep's important, right? Figure out where you're spending your time. It's an important thing. And, and there's a tool that I, was uh, shown to me years ago. I, I had to do a lot of training in time management because it doesn't come natural to me. Um, and there was this uh, a time management guru type guy named Stephen Covey who spoke to me that helped, and he had this tool that helped me evaluate my time. Once I got to see where it was going, to evaluate was it well spent. And so if you think about like a, like a box, you could draw like a box and you put like a cross in the middle of it so you have four quadrants, one, two, three, four, right? And on the top row, he had us write down important, and on the bottom row, unimportant. So everything above the line was important stuff. My time was spent on important things. And everything below the line was spent on unimportant things, okay? And then he had us divide that box at half, so the, so, and then the first row, or for the first column, was urgent things, stuff that had to happen, like right now is urgent. And the other one was not urgent. Right? So I had four different quadrants, and he told me, so put your time in one of those, everything you do, put in one of the four of those quadrants. And it was really illuminating for me that, that uh, there was this, uh, where my time was going. Because if that first quadrant was just like, it's important and it's urgent, that's like you cut your thumb off, right? So that's an important, urgent thing, right? You, you need to go get your thumb sewn back on, otherwise you can't give people thumbs up anymore, right? It has to happen right now, right? And it's important. There's consequences you don't do it. Right? And so those are emergencies. And I think a lot of us live our lives in that emergency area because we don't take care of other things in advance. And so guess what? When you live in that urgent, is you live with this elevated cortisol in your system all the time. Right? You're just exhausted. And what it does, it causes physical problems and sickness and all that kind of stuff. It's, just a, it's not a fun way to live under the urgent. Right? But there's things in our life that pop up. Right? Toilets overflow once in a while. Right? Bad stuff happens. There's a quadrant for that. But then you go over and there's other important things that are not urgent, right? Those are going to be things like, I don't know, taking your wife on a date or spending time with God or coming to church or, or going to sleep, right? Sleeping at night, right? None of those are urgent. It's not like, oh, you got to do this right now or the world's going to fall apart. But if you don't do those things, bad stuff will happen, 
They're important, but not urgent. And then you have the, the not important, not urgent category. That's like going on Facebook, right? World's not going to end if you're not there. It's not really all that important. It's not really urgent. It's going to be there later, right? But we spend time doing that. And then you have the, the things that are, that are uh, urgent, but they're not important, right? They're like, you got to do these things. But it's like, uh, the Broncos are playing right now. But if I miss it, I miss it. It's like, oh, world's not going to end, right? What I found is for me, I was living a lot of my life in the urgent category. Right? A lot of my life was there doing urgent things. I just was running from the thing to the next to the next to the next to the next. If I didn't do something, but I found that a lot of the urgent things I was doing, either they were important because they were now crisis because I procrastinated, or they just weren't important. I just felt compelled like I had to do these things. But if I looked at them, it was kind of like having like five Netflix subscriptions. Right? Like I was just wasting my time paying these bills doing nothing. Right? Like I was just wasting my time on urgent things. That really didn't matter. And so what I learned to do is to take the things that were not important and how to just get rid of those. And that's where I got some, some leverage in my calendar so I could start living for important things. So it's important. Take, take note of where your time is being spent. And then you'll also find oftentimes if you find that there's constantly an emergency, typically it's because you're neglecting it. You can actually work in advance for things. Like I used to have emergencies on, on Saturday because I had to preach on Sunday. Like, ah, right? Because I got something to say, right? Because I became urgent and important. But then I learned that you can actually write sermons in advance, that God actually works. The Holy Spirit's timeless, so he's, he knows what's going to happen today. Like, he knew it was going to be the time change when I preached the sermon. How cool is that, right? I can do my sermons in advance, and I'm not freaked out about them, and I'm a much nicer person to be around. My wife will testify. Know where your time is going. Take an account to it. The next thing you want to do, this is really important, is define your goals and your roles. This is where a lot of folks miss it. They set up a beautiful... Uh, calendar, a beautiful schedule, but they, there's no life in it. They're filling their days, but for what? They feel like I'm just going plodding along the next day and the next day. It doesn't really matter because they're not living for anything big. God made you for something, right? He put uh, passions and goals and, and, and purpose in your life. How are you supposed to live for that purpose if you don't even know what it is? Take some time to evaluate, to go to God. Every year, I take a week to fast Right? And I pray and I talk to God and I say, God, what is it what you want from me? And the fasting doesn't you don't have to be like not eating the entire week. You could take like a lunch or a breakfast or both. And when you feel hungry, you say, God, this reminds me, I'm supposed to be asking, what is it that you want from me in my life? What am I supposed to live for? So that way you know you're supposed to live for it. And one way that you can find your goals is to define what your roles are. How has God asked you to serve in this world? And those are the ways the roles. The important role that I have is I'm a husband. Right? I'm not supposed to neglect my wife. She's not supposed to get my leftovers. Right? And so I have to know I've got goals for my, my relationship with my wife, the ways I want to bless her. I want her to grow in purity and faith and faithfulness and joy and to be loved. That doesn't just happen. I, I've got to, I know that God called me to be a husband. Now what am I supposed to do as a husband? Or as a father, another important role. You think I'm just going to set my fatherhood on autopilot? That's crazy. I don't just show up with my son's things when I'm available. He takes priority. It's an important role. I've got goals for him. And, and so I've got to know what role I play. Probably as a pastor. You think I've, this is an important role that I play, isn't it? Like, you think I'm supposed to, Jesus said, if you love my sheep, make sure they're fed. Do you think he wants me to give you fast food every week? Right? Protect you? Do you think that just happens? That's why I pray for you, not just as a congregation, but as individuals every single week. I've got goals for you to grow closer in Christ. I'm talking to God about you all the time. 
And in order for that to happen, I got a budget for that, don't I? Nine to 13 hours a week, right? Depends how stinkerish you guys are, <laughs> right? But it's there, it's an important role. It's a role that I have that teaches me to go. And you know what? This role that we have as pastor in this church means it's not just about you. It's about saturating this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not just going to happen. It takes a lot of time to talk to the chief and say, God, what do you want us to do? Right? To go to him and ask his wisdom and guidance and direction for what he wants for us. It's a role as a pastor to be working towards those ends because he's going to hold me accountable for you guys someday. I take it serious. You have roles as well. The most important role we all play, of course, is we're God's child. That's an important role. Are you have goals in that? Do you want to grow closer to the Father? Do you want to be more like His image? It's not that going to happen. If you define your, goal, your roles, you know how God's asked you to serve, then you can ask Him, God, what do you want to do in this? And as you do that, then you can start living your life for purpose, which makes budgeting your time exciting because you're actually working towards something. It's so cool. As we do that, you define your goals, then you want to work from, uh, from uh, big to small. right? What do I mean by that? If we work from small to big, if you just start every single day saying, okay, I'm going to do a little bit, right? then what happens is we, we forget the big picture and we, we lose direction and focus, which is why I think it's important, and, and all, all time management gurus will tell you this, you start with the end in mind, right? So if we want to reach to saturate this valley of, of Estes Park with the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm not just going to be a faithful right now today. How do I know I'm going in the right direction, being faithful in the right way? So every year, I take some time aside, and I ask in my family, as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, all these different roles I play, what is it that God wants from me this year? Sometimes even five years out. But I'll set my calendar for the year, and there are things that I'll put on that, important things. Like as a husband, I will make sure that I put Valentine's Day on there and my anniversary. It's on my calendar, and it gives me a little ding a week ahead because I'm stupid, right? It reminds me. So the important things don't get missed. And then at the beginning of every month, I go back and I look and I say, how did the last month go? Is there anything undone that needs to be done? But I also look at this month. God, how do you want me to invest this month? Make the most of every opportunity. Numbering my days. So look, God, what do you have this month so I can pray over it, pray for it, and, and, and direct what comes, right? And then after I've done my, my month, every single week on Sunday nights, I go through and I'll look at my week that's going to come up that next week so I know what's happening so I can be praying in advance for things and all that kind of stuff. Right? And then so every single morning as I wake up and I have my coffee, I can look at my calendar and I say, this is what we're going to be doing today. It's thoughtful. I told my time where to go because the, count, because the kingdom of God is worth it. Start from big to small. Right? It's so important. Another thing that we want to do as we go from big to small is you want to make sure that you put your big rocks in first. What on earth am I talking about? It's one of those things that time management gurus talk about is they have this, uh, this funny trick that they like to play on people is they'll get a bucket and next to the bucket, they'll have big rocks and medium-sized rocks and small rocks and sand. And they'll say, can you put all the things in this bucket? And people are like, yeah, of course I can. And so most people go in, they put the sand in first. And once they put the sand in, they're not able to fit all the rest of the stuff in there. Right? So they'll say, well, we'll show you how to do it. So then they, they, they put the big rocks in first, and then the medium-sized rocks that kind of fill in around the big rocks. And then they put the smaller rocks that fill in around the medium-sized rocks. And then the sand that fills in all the rest of the gaps. And the whole thing is full, and they're able to fit everything in there. You never thought they would. So they say, this is like that for your time. You put your big rocks in first, and everything else will fill around. Well, that's as awesome as a visual, but as far as my time, my big rocks aren't the biggest time expenditures. They're the most important things. And you can't know what your big rocks are if you don't know what your goals and your roles are. 
If you don't know what God's called you to do, how on earth do you possibly know what the big rock is? Which is why most of us fill our lives with sand. So, once you know what the priorities are, start with the big rocks. And here's a very obvious one that God has given us. He says, worship Him. Meet together as a congregation. Don't give up meeting together like some people are in the habit of doing. That's a big rock to God. It's not a very big time expenditure. It's like an hour and a half a week. But God says, big rock! Right? Put it in. He says, keep it holy. Same thing with, with taking a day off. God says, I want you to take a day off. Make that a big rock. Put it in first. Those priorities, put them in first. The big rock that I have for me and my wife is every morning I have coffee with her. We sit in our, in our chairs in our bedroom, we have coffee, and we meet in the beginning of the morning. It's a big rock. Things don't get in the way of that. But nothing moves it. You will have big rocks based upon your goals and the roles that you have. Put them in first, and then fill in the rest of of the, the, the stuff that you have in your life. And I'll tell you this, sacrifice will be made. You're spending 24 hours a day, some of it's being wasted. It's in, it's in a bad category, it's, it's not urgent, not important type of stuff. You're going to have to get rid of those things so that you can start living for what matters. But aren't you glad that you can get rid of pointless living for living for things that matter? Yeah. Okay. Next thing we want to do is we have our big rocks in there, we have to make a task list. A lot of people confuse this for time management. They are different. Confusing a task list for time management is like saying, I have bills, therefore I have, a, uh, I have a budget. That's stupid. Think of tasks like bills. They cost time, right? Every one of them. They're going to cost you time and energy. So you make a list and you get to tell them in order what I'm going to do, okay? So obviously you take care of the urgent, important things right away. But what you want to do is you get to tell your time where to go. And so you have a task list. So you have your big rocks in there. Meeting with my wife every morning, having coffee with her, is not a task, right? So my life is more than tasks. And so I have to start with those things. But then I have important things that I have to do every day to make sure that I'm responsible, making the most of every opportunity. So what you do is you create a list so you don't always have it up here. So you're not worried and anxious all the time. Have a list. And here's something that you can do, is every morning you can go through that list and say, these are the things that I need to do today. And put them in order. I need to do this first. If only one thing gets done, this is what's going to get done. And if two things get done, these are the two things that absolutely have to get done, right? And make your list. Make it the first top five or six or whatever. And then when you get one of those done, scratch it off because it feels so good, right? And then the next day, you can see what's left to do, and you will find that you are not living most of your life. A lot of people waste time wondering, what should I do next? You'll know what to do next, but also you'll make sure that your time isn't just filled doing things. So you actually, a lot of your time will be budgeted. Your big rocks, a lot of those things are relationships. It's resting. It's, it's enjoying people. It's actually living life. It's not being a slave to this world. It's a powerful thing. So make your task list. So today we talked about important things, about how to center our life on Christ. I know this is a very practical message, but before I can talk about how to have a daily quiet time with God, you have to know how to budget your time. You're never going to have a daily quiet time unless if your time is just running, about, just running out however willy-nilly. You have to be able to be wise. So I'm going to challenge you this week to begin the process of making a time budget. And that's really what a, that's what a schedule is. It's telling your time where to go so you can have God's priorities as your priorities. Once you do that, we're going to create the space every day to start meeting with God so you can grow in Him and be nourished in Him. And you're going to find some blessing in that. We're going to talk about how you meet with God weekly as a part of the congregation, how you can do that in a way that doesn't cause you great stress, and it's possible. We're going to talk about how you can build into your life an actual real day off. A real day off. Of rest. Real rest. It's possible. God has blessed you with that. 
We'll talk about how you can do it, but it starts here. We have to be wise. So take this week and begin to learn how to budget your time. So there's some challenges I'm going to give you to help you grow towards that. So if you take out your connection card, that green card on the back side, there's, there's four challenges that I'm going to offer you today. They're next steps to help you begin to prepare yourself so that way we can center our life around Christ. And the first one you're going to see, the first next step I'm going to challenge you to do is to memorize Ephesians 5.15. It's actually 5.15 and 16, but, yeah, but to make the most of every opportunity. Right? Not to be unwise, but it is wise, because the days are evil. That's what I want you to do is to memorize that, set that into your heart, because the power of God's Word is there to set you free. It's going to break those chains. It's going to slice right through them for you. Start with God's Word. Think about what it says. second thing I'm going to have you do is I would ask you to read Psalm 90 this week. Right? Just this week. It's not, I already read it to you once in this message. It's not terribly long, but there's a lot of meat to it. Spend some time in God's Word and read Psalm 90. What does it mean? How does it apply to your life? What is, what is God revealing to you in this powerful psalm of worship that has to do with time? Another thing I'm going to challenge you to do is to make a schedule, a time budget. Put it down. Look back what you, where, your money, where your time is going. Ask God, what are your priorities? Look at your roles. What are the things this week? Then uh, how do you want me to spend my time? And make a schedule that honors God. So make a schedule. And with that schedule, I encourage you, make a task list. See how it works. And I will, I'll warn you, it's going to be awful. And you're going to be bad at it. If this is the first time you've ever done it, you're going to be horrible at it. It's going to take probably two months or three months before you get good at it. But stick with it. Start this week. Start to live as wise. And the fourth challenge I'm going to, offer, I'm going to challenge you in this, the entire series, I'm going to challenge you with this. I'm going to say it's a church challenge. Just like we challenge you to tithe, to start tithing, our four-month tithe challenge, just like we challenge you to start serving Say Yes Ministry for, for four months, right, to start serving, to get into there, I'm going to challenge you to be at church for, for the next four months, to make that commitment, say, God, I'm going to begin, I'm going to be faithful, I'm going to be faithful with the very first thing, I'm going to start the week off with worship as you want, the first hour and a half of my week is yours, and even if you're not here at this church, you're going to be at church, make that commitment to God, let me know, because I'm going to be praying for you, because as soon as you make that commitment, the enemy is going to be there to try to trip you up. To say, I'm going to, God, I'm going to make your priorities my priorities. I'm going to invest your time where your priorities are. I'm challenging you to make that, that challenge. Okay, hopefully I have uh, rubbed all of you wrong a little bit. And so we all have something new that we can work on and grow on in today. That is my time. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, I'm going to pray a blessing over you. You've made commitments. And we're going to take the offering and, and all of that. And then we're going to send you out to be God's light, the light of Christ in this community. Sound good? All right, so let's pray. Father God. We love you, and that goes uh, without saying, but it's also great to say it, because you are worthy. You're the maker of all things, of heaven and earth, the past, the present, the future. You hold us today, and you've made us for eternal purposes. You've called us your eternal children. And so, Father, you've called us to not, to not live any longer for dead and pointless lives, but to lives that matter. And so, Father, I pray that blessing over this congregation, that you would elevate our understanding of, of how to live, not as unwise any longer, but as wise that we, as your children, would make the most of every opportunity. Because these days are evil, but they are temporary. But we want to live for the great things, for the eternal things. So I pray your blessing of wisdom and, and compassion and protection over their schedules this week. Father, help us to budget your time in such a way that we can invest your time into your priorities for your glory. And we ask that you would bless it, that you would make that time valuable, to make our lives count, Father, to bring about the satisfaction of, of your uh, heavenly pleasure in our lives in this world today. 
And Father, help us to keep these commitments we've made so that it brings you glory. And Father, we also want to pray for the, the, the commitments, the, the, uh, the tithes and the offerings we also bring to you now. Lord, bringing back, investing into you, sending our lives around you that we could be true worshipers in all things. May you bless all of them. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.